Ephesians. Now you can barely hear it. It's pretty low. I went out and played ball with my dog, and I got winded throwing the ball. (laughs) Have you, like, breathed over, like, steam? No. What? It's not like something uh, like a hippie would do. Did you breathe over steam? I didn't say go do ayahuasca. I said just breathe over steam, like a bowl of hot water. And (laughs) carbs. Did you did you get a, a neti pot? <laughs> I tried that once. Can't do it. No, nope. not worth it. This is good fodder right here. Is it? We'll see. The, it's okay, it. listener. Send in your best tips for uh, chest congestion. Uh, welcome back, Aaron. We are jumping back into <laughs> not jumping back. We are in. <laughs> oh, <gosh. coughs> okay. There we go. Take two. Take two. We are talking about Ephesians week seven, God's poem. Oh, that's me. All right. This week, we are really focusing on chapter two, verses eight through 10. And what these verses show us is that grace leads to faith, leads to a change in our lifestyle. Well, and Paul talks about that we are God's workmanship. So grace leads to faith, leads to works. And I'm always so worried about when I say something like that because people tend to fall on opposite extremes, kind of like our culture is today. Like one side says, hey, you know, works, we need to be doing certain things. Other people, when they hear the word works, they they have an aneurysm because it's like, no, we're not saved by our works. And essentially what Paul is saying, like he comes out of these verses and says, you're not saved by your works, but yet when we are in Christ, there are certain things that God has set up in our lives for us to do. And it relates to the entire book, really of the whole ideas of God's choice and God calling that God has prepared certain things for his people to do. Like there are certain things I believe God has for us in our lives that we working with him are the only ones who will do those things because they're set up. And one of the beautiful things about that is we can get out of bed every day with an excitement. God, what do you have for me today? God, what do you have before me to to do this thing? And maybe there's an interaction that doesn't go so well. Well, you know what? God will use that interaction for his glory and our good. He will use all things. And there's not, there doesn't have to be the sphere of what each thing brings because as we walk through our lives, we, we work with him. It's like we are inhaling grace and then we exhale the grace. It's in and out. We have been blessed, so we bless. It, it's all a response to what God has done. And I think that that's really kind of the look of it. Starts in grace, that grace awakens faith. And the word this, you know, it's grace that leads to faith and this not your own doing. This relates to both of the words grace and faith, that it's all a gift of God. And these two things then result in a different life. And sometimes that life of good works, quote unquote, takes time. It, it's not like all of a sudden the next day we're, we're these super Christians. It's sometimes it's really slow, but God is doing a work and there's a change in our heart where the old things we used to run towards no longer have the same flavor to it. It, it no longer brings us the same joy because now we want something new because God is making a change in us. Each piece leads to the next. And one of of the things that uh, I'll talk about towards the end is this thing called existentialism, which is 
really kind of how our culture is based and as existentialism and if there's like philosophy majors listening to this they're going to have a conniption fit when hey I, john g hey john g <laughs> when i when i simplify it this much but as existentialism really says that our our being our lives comes out of our doing that uh, existence precedes essence. So what you do determines who you are. And what Paul teaches in the scripture is the exact opposite, that that who we are is going to eventually determine what we do. Our, our being, our essence is going to determine everything else in our lives. What our lives have consisted of up to the point of knowing Christ, that doesn't have to determine who we are. It's a whole different way of, of looking at our lives because we get so cut up. Like sometimes when, you know, people think about, I just failed. Look at that thing I did. I am a horrible person. And we're basing who we are upon the thing that we did. And that is not how Paul or God now in the New Testament scriptures tells us to think about ourselves. It's not that that thing defines us. God has defined us in the essence of our being about who we are. We're children of his. Well, that, I mean, that's, that the, that's the answer to the, how is the gospel an equalizer? Right. 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 Our goodness does not equate to our righteousness. Right. And right. so therefore we can resonate and relate to each other because we need somebody better than us. Right. And nothing equates to our righteousness. Right. It's, it's, it's not even my sorrow or my humility or my apology before God that equates to my righteousness. None of those things do. It is what Christ has done. Think about you know the monks who would whip themselves, self-flagellation, and, and, they're, and they're bleeding because they're whipping themselves so much to show how sorry they are for their sins. That's all us. That's not God. God's not calling us to do that. Jesus Christ was whipped and beaten and crucified in our place. So we don't need to be the ones who whip and beat ourselves. We need to see what God has done and trust and live in that. It's like you, Michelle, I'm pointing at Michelle right now. It's like you talk about, you know, certain people in your GC who say they understand the grace of God, but, you know, do you see yourself, mm-hmm. you know, with that, with that understanding of that? God sees you seated with Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what have I done? I have sinned. How am I seated with Christ? I didn't win the victory. And yet he seats us with him. And it's so hard for us to equate that in our minds with kind of the fallenness of how we live. I am one of those people in my GC, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that needs to be reminded of that. <laughs> I think there's so much nuance here because I think especially in, uh, you know, you guys may agree in more reformed circles. Yeah, there's this like instant distaste, right? When you, right. When you talk about works, but there's a lot of nuance and complexity there because works at the same time are confirmation of God's like restoration in the mm-hmm. world. And it is the kingdom breaking in now. And it, it is the... Um, the effects of his transformation in us. And I think there is a way to name and celebrate works and give him the glory and realize like he's the one who prepared those works for us to walk right. into in the first place. Right. Yeah. It comes down to motive, right? Mm-hmm. Is it works to earn favor or salvation or is it because, I mean, God's calling to do something can be scary. It can well, be. Yeah. It's, it's like what, what James says, you know, I'll show you my faith by what I do mm-hmm. because my life is now different. And I have this quote in the message from J.D. Greer where he says, we are not saved by our works, but our works really validate our faith. Mm -hmm. It shows who and what we believe in. And even saying something like that, it freaks people out. Oh, it validates. So what if I have enough works to validate my faith? Again, your righteousness for Christ is not determined by what you do. 
But when we understand and we begin to grow and there is a humbleness that comes to us, there's a certain way we begin to live and Mm -hmm. it validates what God is doing in us. People begin to see the difference. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's super slow and sometimes it's faster than others, but it's still all based on the work that Christ has done. And works shouldn't be a bad word when it's understood correctly. Right. I think so often it it comes from this place of guilt as opposed to being more attuned to the spirit of God and his voice and how he's leading, Mm -hmm. like looking for just what he would want to have you walk into each day. So how would you guys answer the first set of questions, thinking about the large concepts of life with God? What is God's will for your life? Broad strokes. I'd say he wants me to be representative of him. Like I'm, I'm a minister of reconciliation and I mirror what God has done for me to the world. Hmm. I think it would start in a place of where, where Paul starts, understanding what God has first done. So we would, we'd rest in that. And then out of that rest, I no longer have to strive. I no longer have to boast. I can simply now begin to live in freedom that reflects the, the freedom and the grace that I've received. And that means a different change in my life. It means I live differently. You know, the whole thing about morality doesn't bring Christ, but Jesus really does bring a change in how we see the world in, in our morality. Uh, you know, morality in, in the sense of I'm not disdaining others. I'm not looking down upon other people because I, as well as everybody else, was in that same boat. Mm-hmm. And so it brings a place of, of loving acceptance, not saying what everybody wants to do is okay, but a loving acceptance of who they are in their person of saying, you know, Christ died for you as well. And it, it brings a whole different way to view others around us. And so I think God's will for my life is to first and foremost, to understand better what he has done. And then out of the understanding, begin to live a life of faithfulness to him. God is, I think, giving me a heart for um, the least of these. And and it starts by me understanding that I am in such need mm-hmm. of salvation and grace that therefore I am then called to extend that to people who, who need that extra understanding, whether it's physical, starts with physical care, but ultimately soul and spiritual, like gospel speaks into every aspect of life. What we see Jesus first do is heal. Um, you know, your sins are forgiven and everyone's like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, get up and walk. Like there's a level of sometimes like we get so bogged down just meeting a physical need, but the first is, and, and maybe the order seems different, but we care for the whole person and not just any one thing. Maybe I should have done that in the message, right? Started with that story because grace Leads to faith, Mm -hmm. leads to works. Get up and walk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so where are you prone to question that calling? And maybe questioning in that isn't, am I supposed to be an agent of reconciliation? But like, no, I don't, I don't need to step into that situation. Yeah. I kind of spoke about this on our uh, GC leader call and thinking about what God's showing you in this season. And it applies here. I think the places where I'm most fearful, that's where... I want to push back. I'm like, mm, God, you really, mm. you really wanted me to do this right now. Have the hard conversation or say the the real thing that really needs to be said, but is uncomfortable or take a risk in the sense or trying something new and, and having to face that fear of failure head on. Like those kinds of places, I think 
It's where I have to gospel myself again and realize, okay, just because that fear is there doesn't mean that's not the next step he's mm-hmm. leading me into. Yeah. For me, it's, I can't, I'm not Jesus, so I can't do everything that may come across as opportunities. And I get excited. And I jump into things mm-hmm. and God, I think wants more the long term. He doesn't want me to get burnt out simply by saying yes to a whole bunch of stuff, uh-huh. but also, but being, you know, wherever he leads, but also effective because of that. Mm-hmm. So the last question is, how do you encourage others to trust in God's work for them? How do you guys do that in a way that isn't, I don't know, there's probably ways to, to throw a Bible verse at people and make it, you know, suck it up. Jesus loves you. But um, I mean, there's truth in that, obviously. But how how do you do that in a sustained way that re- you try to really speak into the person and not just throw a cliche? I think it depends on their situation. Cliches are one size fits all. Where I think if you want to encourage others to trust God where they are, you have to understand their situation. So sometimes that's asking questions about where they are. You can approach it theologically. And there's a way to do that that doesn't sound trite, right? And like a platitude. But we were talking about power, right? Of God's salvation. Like, okay, the spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is within us. Like, think about what that means in terms of his ongoing work in us. So like it's kind of like one level. But I think relationally, hopefully we've had the chance to actually witness how God has worked in the lives of those around us. And it's it's a really beautiful thing to speak to that. Mm-hmm. You're not the same person you were last year. And here's what I've seen. Like, here's how I've seen God work in you and transform you. And we need to be reminded of that because we lose perspective. What she said. What she said. <laughs> <laughs> So I was telling Mikey, Mike Harmon, and then also Alan have talked about this on the podcast. They listen and they appreciate it, but they'd love to get more direct. I don't know how to word it. Like, um, practical. Yeah. More practical guidance for like how to facilitate. Okay. I got something. Okay. What, what I, what I think would be helpful to, to GC leaders especially because, you know, the podcast comes out before the sermon and they get the sermon notes a little early. If, if they listen to this and then go through the sermon notes, pick out a couple of questions and that, that you think would be really good to kind of hone in on and send them out to your GC a couple days before you meet. Hey, be thinking about mm-hmm. this so that you have a direction in your mind and you're directing people of what to think about and where they're going so you can have a particular discussion with them. There are so many questions and so many different avenues you could walk in in this. And if something comes to you knowing your group, how can you encourage others to trust in God's work in them? Like thinking of, mm-hmm. of your GC, pick a couple of questions out of this that you have thought through that. Or add questions or. Or add questions mm-hmm. and send those out early so people can be thinking about those. And it gives you a, a jumping launching off point that isn't just, hey, so now that we're here, let's open this up and let's look through what's going to work. Actually, you know, do five, 10 minutes of, of homework because you're already doing it now by listening to this and then pick something and send it out. Hmm. And sometimes it's good to share why you want to highlight a certain point or section for your GC. Yeah. Like, why yeah. is it even relevant to your group in this season? Yeah, I've seen us doing this mm-hmm. or walking through this. These are the questions that have come up. So these questions in this week's message would be really good for us. So I'm going to send these out and I want you guys to be thinking about this. And when you hear the message this Sunday or the podcast or whenever you watch it or listen to it, 
be thinking about these things as you hear that. Mm-hmm. And then when we come, we, we have a basis and a launching off point. Mm-hmm. I like that. So one thing I was going to share is the, before I cut you off. Yes. The example Mike Harmon shares is sometimes just reading the question at face value. You know, I think as we write and edit the questions, we lose sight of this because he brought up a really good point. It must have been last week's because he said you have a question here like how... I forget how it was worded exactly, but like, how have you been made alive in Christ? He didn't know if we were asking that theologically speaking um, or more like, have you seen, how have you seen evidence of that? And that was a really good point. And so what I was getting at and being more directed and practical for JC leaders, I think is kind of getting to the point of like, well, where are we going with this question? Like, where are we hoping they'll take it? But isn't that taking some freedom out of their hands and saying, this is where we want you to go rather than saying, which which way is most helpful for your group to look at that question? Right. Yeah, now? not with everything, but we can even highlight that. Like, here are some various things okay. you know you could address. But leaders, this is a reminder that we want to have a lot of engagement here. So, if there are specific questions you have or things that you want us to cover in the podcast, or even going back to previous weeks, if there are stories you want to share of how this played out within your group, we would love to hear it. Yeah, we want it. We want this to be helpful, not just three people and microphones sitting around talking. That's a long podcast name. Mm-hmm. We could abbreviate it. I was going to say acronym. T people, T, <laughs> TPS. TPS. TPS reports. Have fun editing that. Yeah. <laughs> 40 minutes. Holy what? cow. Really? Yep. Dang. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah.